welcome to the City Point Church podcast. Thanks for joining us. Every day is an opportunity to take hold of. So we hope this message inspires you and builds your faith, that it helps you have more of a God perspective for your day. Enjoy. So I was like, oh, better be impressive today. Where's the Holy Spirit? I need him. I always need him. It's okay. Yeah, of course, my mother, yes. But, was, but the reason why I'm talking about fathers specifically is um, Rachel is preaching next week, and I'm preaching this week, obviously, and we decided that I was going to preach about fathers, and she's preaching about mothers, so men and women, and the ripple effect that they have, which is very interesting, because we see ripples everywhere in society and in nature, and the theme for church this month at least is ripples. So for those who like titles, don't get offended by this, but the title is Kingdom of Men, because that's going to be the, yeah, that's going to be the typical thing. And, you know, it was Father's Day a couple of weeks ago, so I'm keeping the whole theme going, all right? Women, don't zone out. I'm hoping you might learn something from this as well. Uh, Rachel and I, just last week, we were missing. We were at a funeral. Uh, In fact, we were on our way back from a funeral, to be more precise, But at the eulogy, the speaker mentioned how his mother, which is awesome, had a ripple. He used the word ripple effect. I'm thinking, sweet, I'm going to use this. Uh, He said that his mother had a ripple effect on him and his children, like her grandchildren, in faith. Yeah, so he brought it up. He said, mom had a ripple effect on me as a man and on my children and also... uh, grandchildren were there as well yeah so that was beautiful and great-grandchildren were there just thought that yes so a ripple effect that just kept going because we do see ripples everywhere and ripples can be either wonderful like the ripple effect of faith and belief and godly wisdom or it can be terrifying so my first perspective oh sorry my first point this morning is perspective changes everything all right Now, recently, I saw a photo of a meteor impact zone, and you can see the big hole, and there's the ridges, you know, like the large ridge where the impact occurs, Uh, and that's basically the first ripple of the fiery impact, and I can only imagine the destruction that occurred past that, but afterwards, so I'm reading through this article, as I read further along the article, as I studied more, I found out that it wasn't a meteor impact at all. It was a geyser, an old dried-up geyser. Yeah, it was actually a natural spring that had burst through the ground and had created the same look, big hole ridges. And I thought, that's really interesting because I was pretty convinced it was a meteor until I read on. Same big hole, same ridge, very different outcomes. Yeah, so I need you to remember that. Looks the same, different outcomes. And I'll give you an example. Last month, I had a person send me some messages. Okay, you probably hear me say that almost every time I preach. <laughs> I don't mind. It gives me something to preach about, really. So keep them coming. All right. So they sent me some messages explaining to me why there can be more than just male and female, um, why love is love, 
And why, this was the important part, why teaching children that traditional point of view, male, female, only male and female in marriage, um, unless there's actual genetic deformity, but why teaching the next generation that there's only male and female in that whole concept, why it can lead to depression and can be detrimental to future genera- generations, the ripple effect. Um, and then she said to me through message, she's like, it's these kind of Old Testament concepts of male-female marriage, love isn't love, love is exactly what God says it is. It's these kind of old concepts that are keeping people away from church and away from God. These traditional views are too offensive. So she saw that ripple effect as detrimental to the next generation. So she was saying, you need to stop this. Leave the male and female point of view, stop offending that demographic, and then they'll come to church. Her point was, she's like, John, what if they're born a certain non-traditional way, like born in the wrong body? I'll let you know I did not mock her at all, um, because this is very real to her, very real. You know that saying, it's just puppy love, but it's real for the puppies. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, well, I didn't mock it because for her, this kind of teaching was a burning medial hole, right? And so she really did genuinely believe that it's a dangerous belief system. Uh, and, you know, what if we do cause these children depression by teaching that traditional biblical value? Depression! She was very, very adamant about that, actually. Um, So in her point of view about biblical values, and if her point of view is accurate about biblical values, then we would have to extend that view to all biblical values, wouldn't we? Yeah. If biblical values aren't correct, then which ones do we believe? Um, And really, it's people like Pastor Rick here, since you're here, right? (laughs) It's really people like Pastor Rick here who are actually pushing people away from church then, isn't he? Yes. I mean, I've heard him teach from the pulpit. I've heard him say to young men that they should grow up to be loving, faithful husbands. (laughs) Yeah, what kind of sick monster does that? Doesn't he know that boys are born, yes, born, like actually born, not a belief system, but actually born with the biological ability and the maddening urges to impregnate every consensual woman on the planet. So why, why, Pastor Rick, would we tell male children to be loving, faithful husbands? These biblical restrictions, they're horrible. Think of the depression. Because if men are born that way, and they actually really are, then let them be free. How dare you control them, give them depression? (laughs) You see, surely the voices of society, right, that would say men, really married or not, should be given the freedom to act out their biological urges. Society says anyone who disagrees with that is actually controlling. And that would include the Word of God, 
wives abroad, I'm pretty sure wives are pretty keen for their husbands not to go down that pathway. Well, then you're all control freaks. <laughs> I wrote that right here, control freaks. <laughs> okay. And you're detrimental to the generation of next men who should be able to live out that freedom or they will get depression. And further on, I know, very serious. The thing about this, right, followers of God must have the perspective that God is good and that his ways are good. We just sang about that. Ways of God. His ways higher than our ways in every, every perspective. And if you don't believe that God's ways are good and you're not thinking to yourself, I need to adapt my life to God's ways, then why even follow him? Now, that sounds brutal. People are like, you can't say that, John. Joshua did. <laughs> Joshua 24, 15, yeah. It says, and this is just Joshua speaking to a whole bunch of people. He says, and if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord. People miss that part. They always go to the last part of that verse. You know, as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. But the first part's really indicative of the culture of that time. He's like, if it seems evil to you, causes depression. If it seems evil to you, choose for yourself this day whom you will serve, whether the other gods, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It boils down to that. So my next point is a very specific ripple um, that does have detrimental effects on the family unit and future generations. And I really believe that if your perspective is wrong about this and not centered in the word of God, that we are going to see some serious issues. So point two, don't get offended by Actually, you can get offended by this. I don't really care. But <laughs> I mean, for your sake, don't get offended. How's that? Is that better? Yeah. All right. Point number two, it's okay to be a man. I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Henry. I mean, really, when you think about it, how can someone be a man of God if he's not actually knowing how to be a man? Unless, of course, we now change that to what we really mean is a woman of God in a male body. Because, you know, men are so toxic. So, no, I'm being careful here. Whilst I do not agree with toxic behavior at all, and I don't endorse it, um, I equally disagree with the emotional and the psychological emasculation of men. Otherwise, one day, we'll all be standing on the footpath of a burning building, wondering who's going to run in to get the kids. <laughs> It'll be like, you go in. and be like, I'm not going in, you go in. And the other person's like, I'm not going in. Fire is like, ouchie. Yeah. It's the same hormone, guys. It's the same hormone. And despite what society says about toxic behavior, because I think they have a warped view of what toxic behavior is, some parts right. Like I said, I do not endorse toxic behavior at all, or domestic violence or anything like that. Um, but it is the same hormones required to run into a burning building. So we don't need to emasculate men. We don't need to drug them with soy milk. Just to calm them down? 
Right? Yeah, it's got chloroform in it. <laughs> Thank you, Zach. If you drink soy milk, stop it! We don't need to do that to this generation of men. You know what they need to do? Men need to stay dangerous, but disciplined. Dangerous, but discerning. Dangerous, but directed by the word of God. We don't want men to stop being dangerous. I'm really sorry if you disagree with that. But it's the same danger in their hearts that will make the rush into battle and save their family. We need them to stay dangerous, but we need them to stay directed by the word of God. His ways are higher. You've got to remember, um, whenever you watch a TV show or a movie, and they have Christians in it, or a pastor in it, it drives me crazy. Because often that person, really any Christian on TV, is the docile peacemaker. Yeah. The peacemaker part's great. You know, blessed are the peacemakers, great. The docile part, not so great. You have to remember that Jesus is the prince of peace. If anyone knows peace, it's him. But he did some table flipping and some whip making. So have to keep everything in context. Um, years ago, I won't say what TV show it was because it's probably inappropriate, but it was one of these lovely G-rated Christian shows um, by a secular writer. You know, and I remember people in the church telling me what a lovely show it was. How, you know, people are going to come to Jesus through this TV show. And I'm watching it. Um, and all it ever did was show the world how docile Christian men should be. And when you think about it, so I you know, followed it up afterwards because I was wondering what happened to the actors and the producers. You know, if it was such a great demonstration of Christianity, then surely they would all be following Christ. No. None of them. If anything, I wouldn't blame them for not wanting to follow that pathway. It's just like, ooh, these are what Christians are like. Yeah, I wouldn't do that. It's the whole concept of baby Jesus. Everyone loves baby Jesus. <laughs> baby Jesus, meek and mild. Baby Jesus is so defenseless, so harmless, so non-toxic. We love baby Jesus. <laughs> But we forget often that baby Jesus is forever the King of kings and the Lord of lords, ruler of heaven's armies. Why have an army if you're docile? He's also, get this, when you really read up about the characteristics of Christ, not only is he ruler of heaven's armies, King of kings, but he's also the judge. He's the Jury, and he's the executioner. <laughs> yes. Thankfully, uh, Jesus is also your lawyer for those who believe in him. Yeah. It's pretty great. I mean, if he's to the judge, the jury, and the executioner, but he's also your lawyer, the odds are in your favor. <laughs> it's pretty good, hey? But it gets, it gets better than that because there are some costs that were too high that you were never going to get away with, so Jesus then paid your price. So in that context, he's the judge, the jury, executioner, lawyer, and the convicted felon. Does that sound like a baby Jesus, meek or mild? 
Anyone been? No, actually, don't put your hands up. <laughs> yes. If you go to prison and you're a convicted felon, you're not usually a wuss. <laughs> anyway, praise God. So you've heard the saying, and this is one of the ones that I thank the Lord I've never heard from this pulpit ever. Yourself, Pastor Rick, Pastor Graham, never. Because I, I honestly believe that Pastor Rick is one of the most manly Christian leaders I've ever come across. Bless you. And he's, I've never, ever heard him say, or oh, Pastor Graham, you know, those who live by the sword die by the sword. It's just like, because I have found that that scripture over time has been used to emasculate men forever. Um, the Greek word, therefore, um, live by the sword, it's a Greek word, lembano, and it means grasp it, like take it into your life. Okay, it's not just um, a, you know, hey, if you take a sword and grab it, then that's it, you're, you know, you're done for. It's a, have you got a way of violence in your life? Because that will destroy you. That is toxic masculinity for sure. But that verse, again, has been used out of context a kajillion times for people who want Christians and men just to be docile. Because the very next verses, the very next ones, this is Jesus, okay? Jesus says, you know, um, don't take up the sword. Those who live by the sword die by the sword. And then he says, or do you think, this is uh, Matthew now 26, verse 53, he says, or do you think that I cannot now pray to my Father and he will provide me with more than 12 legions of angels? To put it in modern context, don't you think that with one request I could just kill you all? <laughs> so Jesus has the potential to be Dangerous. Actually, I consider Christ very dangerous. He's the eternal refining fire, refining fire. <laughs> Super dangerous guy. So, but he had his direction from the word of God. Very next verse, 54 says, this is Jesus speaking, right? So he's like, people who live by the sword die by the sword. Then he's like, but I could kill you all if I really wanted to. And then the very next verse, he goes, but if I did, how would the scriptures, the ways of God, be fulfilled. That described what's happening now. So he saw the ways of God more important than being docile. He's like, oh, I'm dangerous, but I take on the ways of God, which is what I was saying earlier. We don't need docile men. We need dangerous men who are determined to follow the ways of God. Dangerous but directed. Um, yeah. I occasionally, not from this, again from this pulpit, praise God, I do hear people say, and you know, when they catch the concept of, you're right, John, you know, it's about sort of the spirit life, not having that perspective of, um, you know, constantly living in violence and toxicity, which is great. And then they say, and John, we should live by the sword of God. Great. Okay. That is technically true because it's the word of God is the sword. So if you're going to live by the sword, die by the sword, you might as well be the sword of God. But can I put this in proper context, please? We, should live by, we shouldn't live by the physical sword taken on violence because, again, in Ephesians 6.12, it says that we don't wrestle against flesh or blood. I get that. But there is a time and a place to use a real sword. We have to stop telling men that there's never a time to pick up a sword. Jesus said don't live by it, 
But then there's a time to take it up. And just to show this is true, literally hours before that moment, Jesus says in Luke 22, verse 36, he says this to his disciples. He's like, but now he who has a money bag, let him take it. And likewise, a knapsack. And he who has a sword, let him sell his garment and buy one. Does that sound like a guy who's saying to his disciples, you should never take up a sword? Literally saying, go get one. Yeah. But don't live by it. Don't take it on in your heart. Times and places. In fact, I would never ask some of the warriors that we have in this church. You know who you are, and my, my men, all of you. But there are some little, little bit more warrior than you and me, okay? But I would never ask them to remove their warrior heart or their warrior strength. I would never say to them, man, you're living by the sword, you should die by the sword. I'd say, guys, there's a time to pick up that warrior spirit. Which brings me to my third point. Change the ripple. Now, um, the only true good ripple is obviously God's ways. But despite your past, the ripple can change. It's true, ripples can change. Yeah. Now, according to most scholars, I'll give you an example. According to most scholars, Jesus, well, his first miracle was turning water into wine. Okay, if you've been around long enough, you'll know that that's publicly and most likely his first miracle. Um, so I'm going to read it to you, and I'm going to explain what I mean by how the ripple can change. This is in John 2, verses 2 to 10. Stay with me, please. Now, both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. And when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. Jesus says to his mother, woman, what does your concern have to do with me? I would have said, this sounds like an issue, not an ish me. All right? <laughs> he says, he says to his mom, he's like, my, my hour has not come. But then his mother, thinking, that's fine, I'll still do what I believe to be the ways of God, goes to the servants and says, whatever he says to do, just do it. Now, there were six water pots of stone according to the manner of purification. Remember that point, it's important according to the manner of purification of the Jews, containing 12 or 30 gallons apiece. And Jesus said to the servants to them, fill up the water pots with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And then he said, and this is remarkable, if you understand the context here, he said, he said to them, the servants, draw out some now and take it to the master of the feast. And they did that. Now, this would have kind of actually been weird for the servants because these weren't drinking pots. Purification pots for washing hands and feet. And, and get this, even sometimes the furniture. Yeah, they like splash around. <laughs> True. It's in historical documents. It's amazing. They're like, la, 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 la. Anyway, so. So when Jesus said, hey, I want you to grab some and take it to the master of the feast, they would have been thinking, that's odd, but okay. Now, but get into verse 9. When the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine... And did not know where it had come from, but the servants knew. The master of the feast called the bridegroom and said, Every man at the beginning sets out the good wine. And when you have the guests well drunk, then you'll bring out the inferior wine. And you've kept the good wine until now. 
Biblically, water was associated with God's wrath. Yeah. Think of Noah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and, it's, and that's where the correlation between purification and wrath is. Refining fire is a form of wrath which brings purification. Washing the world, Noah was purifying the world, okay? So they understood the correlation between wrath and purification. We just see wrath as bad, but God tends to see it as purification. Anyway, so wrath. Um, Wine is often associated with God's joy. Yeah. Historically, just to develop and explore this, historically, wine was safer than water. You can look this up. They would prefer uh, wine over water, not just because wine's great, but because it was safer. Yeah, um, it was less prone to dangerous bacterial contamination. So water, wrath, to wine, safer than water, and joy. Now, Jesus wasn't just turning water into wine to keep the fun going, probably part of it but also to demonstrate his purpose here on earth. Yeah. From wrath to joy, from fear of harm to safety and healing. He's like, this is my purpose. And here's the really cool part. I mean, that's great, but here's the super cool part. He didn't remove all the water and replace it with wine. When you read this, it tends to look like he turned the water into wine, but even really... Good wine is up to 80% water. All he did was change the outcomes. Wrath to joy, harm to health. And you can think of Paul of the Bible. He's one of my favorites. Um, He was a rabbi, and he was so passionate about God's word that he went out and hurt and imprisoned Christians. That's toxic masculinity. That's a meteor crater, right? Until Paul met Jesus on a road to a place called Damascus. Now, Jesus did not say to Paul, here, have a couple chill pills and a glass of soy milk. Because, <laughs> you know, you're way too passionate. You need to... Okay, he didn't do that at all. In fact, Jesus simply changed the outcomes to Paul. If, if you read Paul's life after that, oh, he was just as passionate. Jesus left the water but turned it into wine. Changed the outcomes, not necessarily the ingredients. We don't need to remove the ingredients of manhood to have a better outcome. We just need a better direction in the Word of God. Amen. I would like to show you a video now, and this is of our beloved brother, TJ. And and to be honest, when we we recorded this, afterwards I said to Rachel, I'm not preaching. (laughs) You could just watch this video, and then I'd be done. We could go home and have an early lunch. (laughs) But if you've got it now, that would be awesome. You want to play it? Hi, I'm TJ from City Point North, and John's asked me today tell my testimony on my marriage. Now for some context I just want to give you guys um, what I thought was marriage before, what I knew what marriage was. I grew up watching my parents fight each other, 
um, be violent, hate each other and show no mercy to each other. And I thought that was a good marriage. I then later on would adopt this in my marriage. Ten years uh, along the line with my family and children, I would adopt these principles and these things into our life until Christ come into my life and he gave us the word, he gave us discipleship, he gave us community to show what it is to have a godly marriage. And the Holy Spirit came into my heart. He highlighted through the word of God and what needed to change in my heart. I repented for my sins and I started to ask God for forgiveness. Until this day, I'm still in community, I'm still in discipleship, I'm still in the word of God to expose the lies that the enemy had told me about marriage and to see what marriage is through the eyes of God. And I just want to say, a marriage transformed is a marriage conformed to the spirit and word of God. And I pray that over all of your lives today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I still, I still get goosebumps. When I was recording it, I was like, Phew. Anyway, I didn't script that at all. That's from TJ's heart, for those who are wondering. Okay. Um, how a son sees his father is often, not always, but it's often eventually how uh, a young man grows up seeing God. Um, and, you know, like TJ was just saying, he, he thought, I didn't script this, he thought his parents' marriage was good. So he thought it was a spring of life, but it was actually a destructive meteor. And it wasn't until he began to investigate the ways of God that he was like, wait, I need to change the ripple. It needs to stop going from destructive ball of fire to life-giving springs. And there's only one place you're going to find that, and his name is Jesus. There's only one way to really discover that in your life, and it's to follow the ways of God. We can change that ripple. And as I said just before, um, when you change that ripple in your household, men, fathers, you change it not just for your children, you change it for generations, your great children, your grandchildren, you know, your great, great, great grandchildren. And you, you keep that ripple moving through your family. Men, when I'm finishing up now, oh, can musicians come up? That'd be awesome. Men, is your household wrath or joy? This is not condemnation. This is, it can change. It can truly change. Do you need Jesus to change the outcomes in your life? Just like TJ. Beautiful family, bless you, man. Who was definitely on a path of meteor destruction, <laughs> by his own lips. But it's been changed now to springs of life. You guys can start, amen. Thank you, Lord. The ripple effect for his family, I've had the joy of being part of his transformation. Most, of the, A lot of the men here actually have, yeah. And what a joy it is to watch ripple change from burning to beautiful. One of my favorite songs, one of my favorite songs, it's a song that says, sorry, it says, something beautiful, something good. In all of my confusion, 
he understood. And all I had to offer him was brokenness and strife. And he made something beautiful out of my life. Now, my life is still being transformed. I don't think that finishes until glory days. But I, I'm so glad I'm on the trajectory of life. The thing is, as I was saying earlier, that meteor hole or that transforming life role, uh, hole and bridges, they can look the same. They really can. We need to get back to the Word of God and we need to find our stability in Christ alone. And I just want to encourage, while the music's playing, we're going to bow our heads. I want to give an opportunity. Men and women. I don't need to just exclude you all. Sorry, women. But Rachel's next week, right? But you can change it. And I just want us all to pray. If you don't mind, we're going to pray together. I'm not going to ask you to put your hand up, all those kind of things right now. But if you're thinking, yeah, I need to come back to the wholeness of God and the ripple effect on my family has not been good, but it changes today. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And the list says today, we're going to serve him today. So let's pray. Beautiful God. Firstly, you are the springs of life. You make all things green. You make the flowers bloom, the deserts bloom and full of life again. Lord, only you can change that, Father. I feel like everything we put our hands to, God, sometimes, well, it feels like everything can just lead to destruction unless it's in, unless it's in you. And you, you make all things, Lord, all things work out for good for those who place their trust in you. And just like that song earlier, we just bring everything. For all the men that are here right now, God, contemplating this and saying, I need to change the ripple of my family, Lord. Then we just bring the whole lot to the feet of Jesus. At your feet is where we find life in the beginning of change, Lord. Before I move on and we close, I just if you're new here today or if you've been coming forever and you've never made that first step towards a life in Christ, the first step where you're like, I need a Savior. Who is this man that can change my life? Who is this man that is the manliest of men that I can, that I can turn to, that I can duplicate? If I'm, if I'm like... If I'm like this man named Jesus, then everything changes. Who is he? Well, he is your savior. And he draws you. He draws you to him and says, you know something? He's the way, the truth, and the life. So if you've never made that choice to follow him, I just want to give everyone an opportunity, heads bowed, eyes closed. If you are that person where you want to start that journey towards Christ today, just get you to put your hand up and I can see it. And we can all pray together. Just going across. Oh, it's wonderful. Praise God. All right. Praise God. All right. Well, maybe you said it in your heart, so we'll still, we still want to pray it through anyway, just in case in your, 
in your mind right now, you, you weren't bold enough to put your hand up, which is fine, but you can still begin that journey today. So let's pray. Lord, for people who right now are considering making the choice to follow you, pray you give them strength, your strength, because it is gutsy. It is a manly thing to do, to follow you. And I just pray, Lord, for if there's someone in this room who's at that point, Lord, that you would encourage them, that you would reveal yourself to them, that you would show them that your great love, Lord, your great strength and your power, Father. Thank you for your kindness and your forgiveness, Lord. Amen, amen. Thank you, church.